Thank you, Lord. Good to see everyone on. Hey, Wes, good to see you, brother. How you doing? Good to see you this morning. God bless you. Everybody awake over there? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Uh, is that Brandon? Brandon on? Or is that Big George? Hey, Brandon. Hey, Brandon. Good to see you, brother. God bless you, man. Hallelujah. God bless you. Good to see you this morning. Who's, who was with the Jeep? Who is that, uh, Cedric? Chris. Hey, oh, that's Chris with the Jeep. Okay, nice looking Jeep there, Chris. Praise the Lord. And who else do we have on? Yeah, that's Chris. Uh, who's, who's, uh, who else is on there? Louis. Louis, good to see you, Louis. God bless you, brother. Good to have you this morning with us. What a blessing. And Leyland, no, go ahead, Louis. Good to see you, brother. Leyland, good to see you, brother. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Good to see you guys. Amen. All right. And welcome everyone on YouTube as well. Thank you for being with us this morning. I pray that you will be blessed. We're expecting a good time this morning in the Lord. Thank the Lord. Uh, good to have everyone. And welcome to you. We've got two new ones here today. God bless you. Good to see you back again. Praise the Lord. Welcome back. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Um, I got a, um, a text from my daughter this week. I uh, was excited about it. She said, I want to get... I want you to send me more scriptures, Don. She said, I want to send you to send me more scriptures on, on uh, not sinning, on being free from sin. So that was a blessing. Jennifer, yeah, so what a blessing. Praise God. God's, God's doing a great work. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I'm just uh, excited with, to see all of you guys. Wonderful walk in the Lord. Uh, my son, uh, Larry Terry. Uh, Cedric's just such a great man of God. All of you guys, what a blessing to have everyone present today. Praise the Lord. I wonder if there's somebody uh, that may have something on their heart this morning. We are a body of Jesus Christ, and a body is made up of many members. Uh, not everyone is an arm, not everyone is a, a leg or a finger, but we all are complete in Christ as a body, not as individual. It's not a one-man show. This is, a, this is a, a fellowship and a body where Christ is the head of the body. Um, I'm not the main show here by any means. I'm your servant to serve you and to help you any way I possibly can as a, as a minister, and, uh, and you all have part, a part in the body. So I want to have interaction. I want to hear from you. I want to make comments. So we can open it up uh, for whatever the Lord has, and that includes everybody on uh, Skype as well as it is here. Um, I wonder if someone has something on their heart this morning, maybe a need, um, maybe something that, a uh, revelation, maybe something that they have question about anything this morning. Don't be shy. <laughs> Amen. No needs this morning. Praise the Lord. I'm, I'm excited about Larry. Uh, Brother Larry came on Thanksgiving and uh, he couldn't breathe. He was having trouble. He was having to put his, uh, his fist in his chest somehow and try to get a breath, huh, Larry? And, uh, and the Lord, uh, tell, me what, tell me what happened, Larry. Uh, I couldn't breathe. And uh, when you get to be my age with... Uh, Wait a minute now. You're not that old, Larry. <laughs> when you get, when you, when you, uh, there are consequences. So you've had COPD, right? You've had uh, emphysema. Yeah. And, uh, uh, it got to where I could not breathe at all. I had to push my, my fist into my chest as deep as I could get it in order to even carry on a conversation halfway. And I, on Thanksgiving, I asked for prayer and anointing, and he did that. And uh, right away I started feeling better. By the time I went outside, we were getting ready to leave. Uh, I, I said, you might feeling 
Never, never got, get, got it back. It's still, still going good. Hilarious. Healed. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. He made a good profession. That's good. Amen. Thank the Lord that the Lord still heals. Uh, David? Is what? They do not have legs anymore. Right. Legs lift them up. Yeah, remember I, I shared it. I think I think I shared it with the body, but um, David was driving home uh, from Dallas, and he um, uh, saw something up ahead of him in the road. And um, if I'm not telling it right, David, correct me. And and he pulled over, and it was a motorcycle that had had an accident, two motorcycles, and he got out. It was basically the first one on the scene. And um, uh, they were in real bad shape, and David began to try to help them. Uh, one of the guys' legs, I think, both of them, their legs were disconnected at different parts. Yeah, so I drove up on this like black thing in the street, didn't know what it was, stopped, and then before I even got out of my car, I heard this woman screaming, help me. Um, so I get out the car and not be like too gruesome, um, but she's like 15 feet down the road from the bike, um, and her foot was about five feet away from her. And then I'm um, walking over to help her because I realized she doesn't have a foot on her leg anymore. And then I hear a guy say, can you help me? Can you get this bike off me? And then I realize it's a guy under his bike. Um, so I cut his jeans um, to where I can lift the bike. And I lift the bike. And he's, he's got about four inches of thigh on his left leg. And um, there's nothing else there. Just the, like, like spaghetti, basically. Just like sheer skin and everything. Um, but I found like a Facebook post. Uh, from like that, the police department over there, and then I commented just saying like I was the first one there. Hopefully they made it, and I've had the the this woman that didn't have a foot. She reached out to me to say thank you. Um, the mom of both of them, and apparently they're both alive. Um, but of course, amputations and stuff like that. Amen. So we keep them in prayer, uh, Lord willing. So that's good. Anybody else have something? Praise the Lord. Everybody doing good? Praise the Lord. My God, my God, what a blessing. Yeah, Chris? Chris? I don't know. I like that little hand, Chris. I don't even know how to do that. You know how to do that? So you got to show me how to do that, Cedric. Okay, go ahead, Chris. <laughs> yeah, so my, my, uh, what was on my mind uh, is basically pain, um, physical pain, um, but more specifically, I get, or more, uh, more importantly, I guess what's more on my mind is the fact of kind of where I know everything's okay. It, it, it feels very um, physical, um, and, and it does affect me physically. But at the same time, it's it's um, it's something going on, um, I, and I and I don't I don't know what it is. It's just something that comes on suddenly where it feels like you know. I, I can't sit still. I gotta. I gotta get out and move. I gotta get out. And, you know, walk quickly. I. I you know, um, just difficulties along those lines. And I've brought it up to people before, but that's kind of where I'm at. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter really the the situation. I've tried to identify like, um, you know, to kind of jump ahead a little bit, like triggers, things that would set it off, um, things along those lines. Um, obviously, seen a lot of doctors. Um, and it really, um, uh, you know, I'm thankful for that opportunity, um, but I'm still, it just seems like, you know, things have improved, but I'm still kind of stuck at this, at this, uh, where I'm at, um, um, just 
kind of any kind of thoughts or um, kind of people that have maybe been there and, and have been there for a long time. I mean, it's been, been over 10 years. It's, it's been a long time. So it's a lot of frustration, a lot of lessons, good lessons learned, you know, on the other side, um, heard a lot of nasty things uh, and a lot of good things. Uh, any thoughts uh, or advice would be appreciated there. Yeah, Chris, uh, Chris and I had a talk uh, the other night for about an hour. Uh, what a wonderful brother he is. Uh, he's been afflicted for about uh, 10 years. It came on to him where his uh, mind is perfectly like fine, but his body uh, has like uh, some type of panic attacks, but it's not mentally, it's more physically. And um, so we prayed together, and um, he's, he's battled this for the last 10 years. It makes it where he can't really work or be able to function, even driving down the road becomes sometimes a difficulty for him where he's got to pull over and just walk around a while. Um, so we, we want to, the Bible says to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. We want to uh, lift up Chris uh, to the Lord. I prayed for him the other night. And um, the Bible says to ask and keep on asking. Uh, the scripture te- uh, tells us that we, can, we would lay hands on the sick, they would recover, we would anoint him with oil. And the prayer of faith would save, would, would heal them, and and, uh, and that uh, the prayer of a righteous man availed much. In First John, it says that well, we know when we ask the Lord for something, we receive it because we keep His commandments. So um, right now, does anybody else have a request? Anybody else have uh, anything on their heart that we want to lift up before, to the Lord? The sickness or pain or anything they're going through, anything like that? Because um, I want to go to the Lord with in prayer for Chris. Okay, all of us right now. Amen. Oh, Bob and Connie, too. Uh, Bob and Connie, are, uh, Connie's had some uh, mini uh, stroke. Uh, she's in the emergency room right now, and uh, we want to lift them up to the Lord. Uh, Bob has just lost his sister. Uh, he's just passed away, so some grieving things for them. So we want to lift up them to the Lord. Um, amen. So any, anyone else? Is that, is that okay? Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we come boldly before the throne of grace, God, to obtain this mercy and grace in this time of need, Lord. Lord, we as a body here, made up of many members, God, come together with one of our members, with Chris. And Lord, we stand with him, Father, asking. Lord, you said what we bound on earth shall be loosed in heaven, Lord. We're asking, God, that you will give him that sound mind and sound body, Father, that you promised in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but the power of love and a sound mind. Lord Jesus, you bore our pain. You carried our sorrows, and by your stripes we're healed. I thank you, Lord, for your word. And we don't, we don't forget your benefits of being in you, Jesus, that forgives all our iniquities and heals all of our diseases. Father, we reach out with a stretched forth arm to you, to Chris, God, by faith, Lord Jesus, reaching out to you, Lord, in his behalf, coming to the throne of grace, God, asking you, Lord, to have mercy on Chris, God to heal his body, Lord, and heal his mind and make him whole, Lord, I ask. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you hear our prayer when we ask you, Lord, because we keep your commandments. We obey you and do those things that are pleasing your sight, Lord. You said that the prayer of a righteous man availeth much, God. Heal my brother, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus, as we ask God. And I ask you to, to be with Bob and Connie during this time of trial in their life, Lord Jesus. Lord, that you'd healed him, that you t- touched them, Father. That, uh, that couple that, uh, that David encountered, Lord Jesus, on the highway, Lord, that you'd 
somehow make it where, Lord Jesus, they could find you through this, Lord Jesus. That, Lord, they come to wake up, Lord, to righteousness, Lord, and come to know you as their Savior, Lord. Because, Lord, just life is like a vapor. It's here and then it's gone. But eternity, Lord, is forever. And that's the most important thing. Thank you, Lord, for this body of believers, Lord, a small band of people that love you, God, that are here this morning, Lord, to praise you, to worship you, and to hear of your word. Holy Spirit, would you speak to us? For you are the teacher. Open up your word to us in clarity, God, that we may follow you and walk with you with all of our heart, God, and that the praise of you will be continuously on our lips, Lord, all of the time. Lifting up one another and lifting up one another and lift up you, Lord Jesus, always, Father, as our Savior and our God. Thank you, Jesus, for this body. Thank you, Lord, for hearing us. And we receive it and we give you thanks and praise, Lord, that you do. And all the saints said, Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I know you guys encounter things. Uh, Cedric and I went to a uh, street preach last night. Um, had a good time with Cedric and uh, thank the Lord for that time together. Uh, what a blessing. The scripture says in Matthew 28, 19, he says, all power, Jesus said, all power and authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. And he, um, he said, go out to all nations and preach the gospel. Baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, teaching them to obey all those things that I've spoken to you. That's what Jesus did. He went out on the streets and he preached the gospel. We see that all through the scriptures. He went from place to place. Like in Luke uh, 13, 3 and 5, he says, Repent or you shall likewise perish. John the Baptist did the same. Stephen got stoned for doing the same. They all got killed for it. Because that's our commission, is to go and preach this gospel. As, as we're going through the world, everyone around us, to let them know the truth that, sets us that set us free. We know today, the Bible says, in the last days there would be seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. We see that very prevalent in the world. There is only a few of us that I can find that will walk and obey what the Lord said. We have false doctrines that are out there today that tell people they can sin and they can still go to heaven. That must be stopped as much as we can stop it. That is our commission. We have a message of repentance today for all of mankind to depart from sin so they can enter the kingdom. The Bible says in Matthew chapter, in Revelation chapter 23, it says that only those that obey the commandments of God will be able to enter into the gates, into the city. So this is very much necessary. We can be, sometimes we can be somewhat affected, but we're not to be, by our surroundings. Because we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, even in our own life, the Bible says. But we can't be affected by the by our surroundings. That's why the scripture admonishes us in Colossians 3 to set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. For, because why? Because you are risen with Christ. And we're risen with him in newness of life. We're dead to this world and alive in Jesus Christ. Yes, Ben. I don't know let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. And uh, I, know, I know in my walk, and I'm sure other people in this room, in their walk, 
and especially when you guys are out street preaching or, or we're out street, whatever, just just ministering the, this, this word, the truth, um, the response that you get. Sometimes, you know, people, they want to agree with you just so, so you can just get out of their face pretty much. Um, and, and, and really, it makes you feel like, um, you know, what, what am I really doing? But we're called to do this. So the scripture's saying, do not be weary in this. Amen. Because it's, it's kind of like a sales guy that goes out there and you hear no a whole lot. That's what, that's, it's the same kind of deal. But it's, it's our duty to go out and preach this gospel. But what God's done in our life, we want to be used by God. Because I'm encountering people that I feel like God's put in my life that um, I want to help them. And I want to speak into their lives. But it's like it's a battle. This is a battle. But that's what we're called to do. And so it's just an encouraging word uh, in Galatians 6, 9. Also in 10 it says, As we have therefore opportunity... Let us do good unto all men, but especially unto them who are of the household of faith. So, do good to all men, but especially the ones that are true believers, that are really walking in this. Really bless your fellow person that's walking in this. You know, Ben, as you were saying, I was thinking about how I hear a lot of people that will seemingly not even come all the way in to a full place of repentance, Cedric, and they'll they'll um, they'll want immediately to go out and try to help somebody else, or oh, I'm going to do this for somebody else, and um, which which sounds good and and maybe even with a good intent, but the important thing is, as the scripture says, it says that you can't take the moat out of your brother's eye until you move, remove the beam out of your own eye. Song of Solomon says that my mother's children were angry at me in Song of Solomon 1, for they made me keepers of their vineyard, but my own vineyard I have not kept. In other words, they, they, they were so busy doing other things and trying to help all these other people, but they're not taking care of their own vineyard. The first thing that needs to be that take place before you can help anybody else and I sometimes will almost try to discourage someone from going out doing it other than paying back things that you've done before. There's got to be that season of repentance that a person comes through that he totally departs from their sin and they have an eye that's single. He said, if your eye is single, your whole body's full of light. So then they can share that light. But until then... Paul, uh, remember Samuel told Saul in, in 1 Samuel 15, he, Saul had gone forth and he, he was trying to, uh, he was thinking that he was pleasing God because he was making all these offerings and trying to do these things. And, and Samuel rebuked him and said, obedience is better than sacrifice. You know, he, he, because people think, well, look what I'm doing. And, and isn't that the same story that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 when he said that many will say in that day, Lord, did we not cast out devils? Did we not do all these miracles and all these wonderful works? And he will tell them, depart from me, you workers of sin, because you can do all those things, but if you have sin, 
you're not going to make it. It's kind of like he says in 1 Corinthians 13 when he's talking about, about love, you know, that uh, a person can give their body to be burned. But if they have not love, it profits them how much? Nothing. They can um, give all that they have to feed the poor. But if they have not love, it profits them nothing. All these things he says a person can do, but if they have not love, it, it, it profits them nothing. Yeah, Brother West, go ahead. Good morning. Uh, I was just going to add in to what you said. In, in Revelation chapter 2, it says, uh, talks about, uh, remember, uh, 2.5, remember therefore from where you have fallen, repent and do your first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove my lampstand out of its place unless you repent. But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. So, these people hated these people that were wrong. Like you said, they wanted to take the, the, the speck out of their brother's eye. Well, they had the moat in their own eye. They didn't really tend to their own vineyard, their own field. They had a hatred for things that they saw that was wrong, but yet they had left, left their first love. They, they didn't have the love, like you said, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You can have all knowledge. You can have all these things. You know, you can have faith to move mountains. You could, you could do great things for God. Even like, uh, you know, Matthew chapter seven says, you know, you can cast out many demons. You can prophesy in His name. But if you're still in your own sin, you still haven't tended to your own vineyard. Mm -hmm. You know, He's going to say, "Depart from me. I never knew you." Amen. Good word, Wes. That's, that's good. I was going to bring up Matthew seven uh, eighteen. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit. Neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. So if, you, if you're walking in darkness and you think you're doing things good, it's not good fruit because you can't, because a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. Amen. Amen. Uh, you know, speaking of, of love, a lot of people will use that word a lot in society and they'll say, well, I love you. You know, uh, well, I love God. Man, I really, or they'll say that about somebody. Man, that person really loves God. The scripture defines what it is to love God and to love others. Uh, love is not necessarily um, something of just a feeling. Love is not just passive, it's very active. And the scripture explains that very clearly. The Lord wants you to have a clear, and me to have a, a clear understanding what love produces, if you love someone, what that love produces in your life. It's very important when you look at the Word of God that you don't just read it and say, well, I read this chapter and I did this, but that you apply it. The Word of God must be applied to the heart to bring forth fruit, to make a change of life. If you just have it here, it's not going to do you much good. If I convince you mentally and it's only mental, then it's really not much. But if it gets to the heart, to the core of man, then it changes the life. Because the Lord says everything that comes from the heart, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. For where your heart is, there will your treasure be also. So when the heart change takes place, then he's a new creation in Christ. Those old things are past and all things have become new. Then he experiences love. But I had to go through a thing of examining the scriptures and by the scriptures trying to determine in myself whether I really loved or not. 
And I found in the past that I failed miserably, even though I said I loved the Lord, even though I said I loved my brethren, even though I said I loved my wife, I found that I was lacking in that when it was defined by the scriptures. And if you turn to Romans chapter 13, let's look for that definition in what kind of love and what is the definition of the love that God would have us to have for others, for the, Lord, for the Lord. So let's look at what this love is. Because if you have love, you're going to find out what else you have when you have love. Okay, let's go, to, let's go there. For Romans chapter 13, he says here, verse 8, we'll start there. He says, owe no man anything but to love one another. So I owe you my love. You owe me your love. And I want your love, okay? That's, he said, oh, oh, no man, don't owe them anything. Fine, don't owe anybody anything but, uh, but love. For he that loveth another has fulfilled the whole law. Now, let me ask you the question. The love that's in the world, does that fulfill the whole law? Let's find out what the love of the world is. Hold your place here and go with me to the book of 1 John chapter 2. It defines what the love of the world is that he tells you not to do. So let's be clear and define this by the word of God, which the word of God, the Bible says, is what we should live by. Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So when we go to 1 John chapter 2, I want to start there at verse 15. He says here, love not the world. So he's saying, this is not the kind of love you want to have where you have the love of the world. What's in it? Neither the things that are in the world. That's what, not where our heart is. Remember he said where your treasure is. If your treasure is the world or things of the world, that's where your heart's going to be. That's what you're going to be talking about. I can tell where a person is pretty easy. They'll just start talking about wherever where their love is or where their treasure is because it's going to come out of your mouth. If I got stuff I'm talking about, it's just the world and going on. That's where my treasure is. But if I'm talking about the Lord all the time, then that's where my treasure is. So we can see that by what's coming out of our mouth, whether we in love with the world or whether we love in love with the God. So that's a really easy thermometer to see where you're at in the Lord. He says, "Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world." If any man love the world, what 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 being? The love, he can't have the love of the Father in him. Why? Because uh, uh, Brother West quotes this all the time. In Matthew 6, 24, it says, man cannot serve, what? Two masters. You can't serve the world and God too. You'll either love one or hate the other or hate one and love the other. It does not go both ways. You can't have both. You can't have that love for both. For, well, then he defines what's in the world that he's talking about not to love. He defines that here. He says, for all that is in the world, here's the first one, the lust of the flesh, the desires to get what you want, your selfishness, what you want, how you want somebody else to react, what you think is going to make you feel good. You want everything to work your way, and if somebody doesn't do it, you get angry at them. The lust of the flesh. Everything that you're looking for to satisfy this. Now, Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 9, 27, which I love repeating, and you all know it probably by heart now. He said, I keep under this. 
I keep under my flesh, under my body. I bring this into subjection. In other words, I make this my bondservant. I'm not serving the flesh anymore, but, but the flesh must serve me. I'm going to tell it what to do. I'm not going to do what it says to do. All of my life, I served this flesh. When I felt like I wanted something, I would give it what it wanted. Because I said, well, that's me. Any desire it was, I just would give it whatever it wanted. You know, so in many of you, if not all of you, probably all, has done that, if not now, in the past. But now, he says, but I keep under my body, I bring it under subjection. I don't let it do what it wants to do anymore. Lest by any means after I preach to others, I myself be a castaway. He said, I'm a, we're walking epistles, he said in 2 Corinthians 3, written and read by all men. People are looking at your life and my life. What message are you giving to others by the life you're living, by what's coming out of your mouth, what your desires are, and where your treasure is? What is the message that your life is preaching to the world and those that are around you and your loved ones? Some people say, well, I just want my kids to get right with God. Well, how are you living? What kind of influence are you making on your children? What, what, what are they thinking about with you? Some people are just, they don't even, they, they think, well, I'm preaching to them. I'm making, I'm telling them what they need to do. What about you? Are you doing it? Are you living the life? So the first one is, is the lust of the flesh. That's what the love of the world is. The next one is the lust of the eyes. Something he sees, do car, pretty woman, nice guy, whatever it might be. It's the lust of the eyes. This is the, this is the love of the world and the pride of life. Being somebody, putting yourself above, above someone else. Instead of esteeming others higher than yourself, you may, want, you may be one that talks about others and brings them down to make yourself feel more exalted. The Bible says the opposite, to do the opposite. It says to esteem others, Philippians chapter 2, higher than yourself. To look to others as being better. That's a, that's a humble approach, isn't it? But God said, if you'll humble yourself, then I'll exalt you. I'll put you up there. But you stay humble. I love this scripture, and I quote it off in Luke, Luke 17, 10. It says, after we've done everything that we've been commanded to do, say to yourself that you are an unprofitable servant because I've only done that which is my duty to do. We do what our duty to do. We can never glory in ourselves because we're only doing what we commanded to do, Brother Don. We're just following the Lord and what he does. So those are the distinctions of that. Let's go back now to Romans chapter 13 again. So he says, all the, he says, love, verse 8, uh, for, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. Now let's see what loving one another is. For this, he's going to tell you what the law says. Thou shalt not commit adultery. So wait a minute, if I, this is going to determine if I love another, I'm not going to commit adultery? Why wouldn't you commit adultery? How many people does that hurt? Well, it would hurt your wife or your husband. It would hurt your children. It would hurt your men, you know, if you were sharing with anybody, it would hurt them. It would hurt your life. See, sin, the Lord put these things here, wasn't because he was trying to be a hard God. He was looking out for us. The commandments are not bad. They're good. 
somebody that goes into adultery and goes start doing it, they you get diseases. They cause home breakups. They cause children to go in the wrong directions. They cause everybody that's looking at you to be affected by that. And all the commandments, thou shalt not kill. I don't have to explain how that could hurt. Thou shalt not steal. If you love your brother and you love others, you're not going to steal from them, right? Thou shalt not bear false witness. You're not going to lie about them and spread rumors and, and spread lies about them. You're not going to cover, you're not going to want what your brother has. When somebody says, man, I got a raise, and I, man, I'm making this much. Cedric told me today, he said, man, they hired me on, I got, I got a raise, I'm going to make this much. And I'm glad for Cedric. I'm not saying, man, I wish I'd get that raise like that. Cedric, you got to give me part of that money. No, that's, that's coveting. I'm glad for my brother. I rejoice with those that rejoice. I want my brethren to do good and to prosper. And if there be any other commandment, it, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Wow. You don't do yourself wrong. You don't do, you, want, you take care of the Bible says in Ephesians 5 that no man yet ever hated his own flesh. But he nourishes and cherishes it, even as Christ does the church. And he says to love his wife the same way. Look at the next scripture, verse 10. Love works no ill to his neighbor. Wow, that kind of covers it, doesn't it? When you love your neighbor, when you love what the Lord says, the Lord said all the commandments are fulfilled in two scriptures, two. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and the second commandment, which is likened to the first, to love your neighbor as yourself. If you do those two things, it's impossible for you to ever transgress the law or sin. You can't do it. It won't, it won't happen. Because when you're loving your neighbor as yourself, you're not going to steal from him. You're not going to kill him. You're not going to talk bad about him. You're not going to do all those things, right? So you'll never sin against your brother. If you love the Lord your God, then you're not gonna, then you're gonna walk in what He says. It's just gonna be natural. It's not gonna be something that you're trying to do. It'll be something that comes natural. Because you love. That is the love defined by the Word of God. It's not this mushy feeling thing that everybody wants to talk about. Oh, you just gotta love. Don't tell anybody to, don't, don't get out on the street. Some will say, don't get out and preach. Don't tell people about, about the Lord. It offends people. Just love them. Don't tell, don't tell someone it's wrong to be in homosexuality or to be all these different, um, uh, uh, things that's going on. Don't tell anybody it's wrong to look at porn. Don't tell anybody all this stuff. Oh, you just, that's, that's like hating on them. No, it's not. You want to keep them from hell. You love them. You want to tell them the truth. Jesus spoke to them. He said, repent and you shall likewise perish. Why? Because he hated on them? No, because he wanted them to have the kingdom of God. He wanted them to have a blessed life. Now and the life to come. That's the love of the Lord. Look at um, another very familiar scripture. Look at John chapter 14. Here's the love of God. Here's how you know you love God. You want to know how you want to know if you really love God? You really love God? Well, some people say, I heard one preacher say, uh, well, to know you love God is to have a desire for God. Can I find that scripture anywhere in the Bible? John MacArthur said that. To, re to really know that you that, that you're walking with God is to have a desire for God. That's not in the Bible. 
You see, you got all these men's opinions and commandments. I don't want to give you my opinion. I want to give you what the Word of God says, because I can't, I can't save you, but the Word of God can. God can save you. So I'm not going to give you an opinion. I'm going to give you what the Word says. And the Word, the word doesn't say that. So well, I have a desire. Oh, I feel this mushy feeling for God. Is that love? That's a mushy feeling. That's not love. The Scripture defines love. It brings forth certain things in your life that when you have love, you have those things. Look here. He says, uh, yeah, verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. Remember we just read in Romans 13 that love is fulfilled. You can't break the commandments if you love him, if you love the Lord, right? You can't break the commandments if you love. And here he's saying, if you love me, you will keep his commandments, right? And he goes on and he talks about sending the comforter. And he talks about the Father, Son, Holy Spirit coming and living in you. And he says, verse 18, he said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. I like that. Said, I'm going to come. And he's come, right, to inside of us. Yet a little while the, world's going to, the world won't see me anymore. In the flesh, they don't see him because he was there in the flesh when he's talking this. But you see me. Because I live, you shall also live. I want to stop there just a minute. He says, you see me. And because I live, you live also. Look at 1 John. Hold your place here. I know you know it, Cedric. 1 John chapter 3. Read it for me, Cedric. You got it in front of you? 1 John chapter 3, verse 6. He said, whoever abides, continues in him, lives in him, does not sin. Now, some of your translation will say, does not practice sin. That, that is not in the original Greek. If you go back into Greek, what's the word phileo? Phileo. Yeah, I don't ever pronounce it right. But what it means is to execute, to commit. So this translation into King James is, is more accurate than some of the newer translations. The why the new, and, and it's really weird because nowhere in the definition of, of, um, of, of sinneth is the word uh, practice. It's not in there. It's, it's, a, it's a, a Greek word that means to uh, execute, to, to, to commit, to do. Um, and that's what it says. So he says, whoever continues him doesn't sin. They don't, they don't sin. If you sin, what, what's the problem? Well, you, you, then you don't really continue. You're not continuing any. You're going back to the old life. You haven't re repented yet. Whoever abides him doesn't sin. Whoever sins, look what he says, hath not seen him nor known him. Somebody sings a song, Lord, I want to see you. I don't sing the song, Lord, I want to see you. I, well, I want to see How does it go Oh, I want open the eyes of my heart, Lord. I want to see you. I see him. I see him. That's what the scripture says. I see the Lord because I live in him. If you're in Christ, he said here, if you, if you sin, you don't see him. If you sin, you don't know him. But the whole purpose was to stop sinning. Why? When what's going to stop you from sinning? The love, right? Right? Go back, to, go back to John 14. Look, look what he says. 
Romans 13 says that love is the fulfillment of the law. Go ahead, Eric, then I'm going to come back to John 14 while they tell, go in there. Why do we not have his voice? Do you have, you have your voice on, Eric? Yeah, there you go. Sorry. Come on. That's all right. <laughs> I thought we didn't have ears to hear, Eric. I was just wondering, but I'm glad I found out that we do. <laughs> Jesus' words in um, Matthew 5, verse 44, But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you, and persecute you. There is no darkness in the light. It's complete love. That's what we're living in, not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Even Paul reminded us back in Romans chapter 12, therefore, if an enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirsts, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt eat coals of fire on his head. The power of love is is, is, that's the total, that's the light. That's what we're walking in. So. Amen. Thank you, Eric. Good word. Okay, let's go back to John 14. John 14, and we'll go to, uh, we read verse um, 18. And I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. Yet a little while in the world seeth me not, no more, but you see me, because I live, you shall live also. At that day, uh, you shall know that I am in, in my Father, and you are in me, and I in you. What a promise. That was the promise that, we are, that the saints from old prophets looked to of seeing a day where the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit would live in you. Before they saw him next to them, the Holy Spirit dwelt next to them. He wasn't in them. But he said, but when you love me, I'm going to come and I'm going to make my abode or I'm going to come and live inside of you. Hallelujah. Why? Because you will be what? The temple of the Holy Spirit. You're the building of God. You're the temple. And he's living inside of you, but the only way he comes and lives inside of you, he gives a condition to coming and live inside of you. He doesn't just come and live inside of everybody. Not everybody is the temple of God. Uh, he makes that clear. He makes it clear. He said that light came into the world in John chapter 3, and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. So the light and the darkness cannot dwell together. So if you're still walking in darkness and you don't have that love that's causing you to obey the commandments of God, you still have darkness there. Is the light going to come in? Light and darkness cannot dwell together. You see, that's why he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 that we not even have fellowship with darkness. Light does not fellowship with darkness. Light does not, what, what fellowship does a believer have with an unbeliever, he says? What communion does light have with darkness, he says? So there must be light in the temple and no darkness so that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit can come and live in you. That's why repentance is necessary not after, but before salvation. Because salvation is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit living in you and dwelling in you. So you cannot have that salvation until sin stops through repentance. Okay? So you want the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You want to be the temple of God. 
then there must be repentance. And then he comes back and he says this. He says, um, verse 21, he that hath my commandments and keeps them. He that has them and he obeys them. Keep means obeys. He it is that loves me. Ha, there you go. That's it right there. How do I know that, that I love God? By the definition of the scripture, how do I know that I love God? I'm obeying his commandments. What if I don't obey his commandments? Do I know God? Okay, watch this. Go with me now. Hold your place here. Turn with me. Written by the same man, John. Go to 1 John chapter 2. First John chapter 2 says this, and we'll go to verse 4. He that says, I know him. A lot of people, you go up to me and say, man, hey, you know the Lord? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I know the Lord. Does that make him know the Lord? By him saying, I know the Lord? Does that make him know the Lord, Cedric? No. Do you get that often, Cedric, when you go and you share, you share the good news? You'll say, hey, man, you know the Lord? Do they say what? What do they say, Cedric? Most of them, yeah, I know the Lord. Does that make him know the Lord? No. What is that according to this scripture? He that says, I know him and does not keep his commandments. You recognize that keep his commandments? We just saw that in John 14, right? One that says, I know him and obeys not his commandments. What is he doing when he's telling you he knows the Lord? Huh? He's lying. He's lying. Special relationship. We got an understanding. <laughs> but here, is, here it's saying that the guy's lying to you. Now, if you called him a lie, you say, man, man, you know what? You're lying, man. He'd be mad at you, wouldn't he? What do you mean you, I'm lying? I have the special, and I've heard people, they, they cussing F words and everything else out of their mouth, and they saying, me and God, we got this special relationship. I don't know who your God is, but he's not the same as my God. Some people say they have a Jesus and they have a God. It's not the same as this Jesus and this God that I read in my Bible. I hear somebody say, well, I just follow my heart. Until you have this God, your heart is deceitfully wicked, and, and you can't know God. You can't even know God. doesn't know anything. Hey, Matt. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning, brother. Good. Good to be here. Uh, this, is, this is such a great topic because when I first started obeying the Lord, I was appalled with myself for having missed this so clearly so many times. But, I mean, if you if you continue on where we're at in 1 John chapter 2, he says, But whoever keeps his word, truly, there's that love of God again. The love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. Whoever, whoever says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Amen. You can just ask people on the streets, like, how did Jesus walk? This isn't talking about, like, did he have a limp or <laughs> something in his gait or his step. This is talking about him walking free from sin. And people, they, they don't like that. And so you get all these excuses of, well, I, I, I used to ask people all the time, how do you know that you know him? And they'd say, well, because I read my Bible and I pray and I go to church and I do Bible studies. Hey, those could all be good things, especially if it's the right church and the right Bible study, right? But 
it, scripture makes it so clear, as we've seen in John 14 and here. It's if you know you know him, if you keep his commandments, if the love of God is perfected in you, if you're walking as he walked. And what I have found is that I was deceived, and I think many people are, by guys like this. This is Ray Comfort's God Doesn't Believe in Atheists. And I used to read books like this all the time uh, to try and convince atheists. But this is what this guy says. This is so contrary to the word. He says, how do I know that I, you know, I'm a believer? Because something in me wants to keep his commandments. That's mm, how I know. Desire, I yes. I want to. Mm-mm. Well, I'm sorry, but the scripture doesn't say no, that. No, no, you're says, right. We know, if we know if we keep his commandments. It doesn't say, well, we have this burning desire to, but we just can't do it. No, it's if you keep it. It's Amen. just black and white. Yes or no. Amen. Thank you, Matt. Good word. Isn't that the truth, though? Uh, so many people... Out there, the majority of people that you run, especially if they in the modern day church, they'll say, "Well, I keep, I, I love God, but no, I, I sin every day." That's that's opposite of what the Bible says. That's opposite of what this scripture is saying, because he said there, um, the one who says, "I know him and keeps not does not obey his commandments," is a liar. And what else? And the truth is not him. Who's the truth? Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So Jesus is not in them. Why? Why isn't Jesus in them? Because they will not dwell with darkness, only in the light. So we go back over here to John 14 again. That's Matt gave those wonderful words. And he's right. He, he said the same thing. He just sent you to, read you the book, showed you the book of Ray, from Ray Comfort with John MacArthur. I listened to his thing too in his preaching. And he said, um, he said, he said the same thing. He said, told, told a young lady on this. He says, do you have a desire to follow the Lord? She said, yeah. He said, well, that's it. You're saved. You're right with God. You got a desire. That, where is that at? It's nowhere in there. But desire is, desire is not it. Do something with the desire. You know, lose your life in Christ. Do something with that desire. He says here, let's go a little bit further. Verse 21. He that hath my commandments... And keeps them, obeys him. He it is that loves me. There's your answer. How do you know that you love God? There's the answer. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. Now Jesus says, many times in the word, he said, what did he say? The words that I spoke to you in John chapter 12, he said, they shall judge you in the last day. That's what he said. He said in Matthew chapter 3, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. This is coming out of the mouth of God. He says, he says if, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. He that he loved me, uh, he says, he that had my commandments and keeps him, he it is that loves me, and he that loves me shall be loved of my Father, the Almighty God. And I will love him. Hallelujah. Want the Lord to love you? Hallelujah. And will show myself, I'll show myself to him. How many of you had the Lord show himself to you? Hallelujah. That's a blessing to really see the Lord. You've seen him and you know him. He showed himself. He manifested himself. How did he do that? Through his word, right? You, I heard George, I don't know if George is on this morning, Matt, but I heard George say yesterday, he says, man, he says, it looks like every page in the Bible, I just see this. I, I, I didn't see it before. And I see there that what's required, and I see everywhere he's talking about stop sinning. and it's talking about putting sin out of your life. He said, I didn't see it before. Now I see it everywhere. Every page I turn, it's there. You, you, know, you know what I mean? Because why? Because he's manifesting himself to you. 
He's saying, this is the life here. This is what I'm showing you. This is what I've done for you. This is what I want you to do. Follow my word. And it just comes out at the page. You say, whoa, I never saw that before. Ben sent me a scripture this morning. Uh, was it you, Ben? I think, uh, was it you that sent me that? No, no, Jonathan sent me a scripture this morning. If Jonathan is on, I don't know if he's on this morning. Is he on? He didn't make it on, but he sent me Genesis. I think it was Genesis 17, 1. The Lord was telling him, to, uh, the Lord told, told uh, um, Noah, I'm not Noah, uh, Abraham. He said, go and, and, and be blameless, right? What did he say? You, you read it. Going to be blame, yeah, blame us. So he, he said, man, it's everywhere. It's from Genesis to Revelation. It's every, everywhere. Because why? Because your eyes are opened. Remember he said to the other, he says, well, did Isaiah say to some, he said, that their eyes would be closed, that they cannot see and they cannot hear. But he says um, here in Second uh, Corinthians, I think it's chapter four. We'll have to go back to John. Go to, um, I think it's, you see, the first or second Corinthians chapter four. He talks about, uh, yes, chapter four of second Corinthians. Look, look at this. Verse 13 of chapter three, I'm sorry, chapter three, second Corinthians three and verse 13, it says, and not as it is Moses, which put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished. But their minds were blinded. For until this day remains the same veil untaken away in reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. But even unto this day, when Moses read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall turn, when the heart shall turn to the Lord, the veil's taken away. You can see. When you really turn to the Lord and you stop your sin and you repent, hallelujah, Brother Cedric, the veil is taken away. You see clearly the scales fall from your eyes. It's like Paul on the road, road to Damascus. He had, the, he had this crushed on his eyes. He couldn't see. But when he met up with Ananias, the, the scales fell off of his eyes and he could see. The Lord wants to remove the scales off of people's eyes. So when they turn to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. But we all with open faces beholding us in the glass, the glory of the Lord, a change into the same engine from glory, from the old glory, now we're in the new glory. It's not glory to glory to glory. It's from one glory to another glory, even as the spirit of the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Let's go back to John 14 now. Anybody have any comments? Anything you want to add to this? John, I was reading John 15, chapter over. I'm going to go there. Okay. Don't go there yet. Okay? <laughs> I'm going there. Go ahead, Matt. Yeah, I was just going to say while we're in John 14, uh, the verses that you're reading in 21 and 23, yeah. something that's pretty significant about that is even in the Old Covenant, you mentioned the temple, there are two people that were allowed in the most holy place. It was the Spirit of God, you know, him, him, an extension of himself dwelling in there, and the high priest. That's and right. who is it that dwells in us now? It's, it's God by his Spirit, and it's Jesus. So just like Jesus said right here, you know, in, in verses 21 and in 23, and I like verse 22, because Judas, not Iscariot, he asked him, how is it that you'll manifest yourself to us and not to the world? So this wasn't just a message for the disciples. 
It extends to everybody that will actually obey him and keep his commandments, which is why Jesus says, verse 23, if anyone loves me, not just you guys that I'm talking to here, you know, disciples, but if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we, God and Jesus, will come to him and make our home with him. Amen. Look at, look at what happens. The scripture says when, when Jesus died on the cross, you, you can remember what he said in, in the scriptures. He says that when it happened, when he, when he said he gave up the ghost and he said it is finished, there was, like he was talking about, there was the Holy of Holies. The only one that was allowed in the Holy, Spirit, Holy of Holies was the Holy Spirit and that high priest once a year. But when Jesus died, the, the veil that covered the Holy of Holies was torn in half, signifying that there was entrance into the Holy of Holies now with those that were living in him. That's why he says, if you'll turn to Hebrews, hold your place in, in, in John. We're going to go back there. In Hebrews, I wasn't even going here this morning, guys. I was going to preach on Revelation 4, but it, the Lord just took us here, so praise God. In Hebrews chapter 4, in verse 16, let's just read a little bit ahead of that. Verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest, hallelujah, that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Seeing that you, you, you have this great high priest, Man, hold fast your profession of faith. What is your profession of faith? I'm died, buried, and resurrected in Christ. Sin has no, is no longer has any part in me. I've yielded my members unto righteousness, whereas before I was a slave to sin, now I'm a slave to righteousness. I can't help but do righteousness. I've been set free. That's my profession of faith. Let's hold fast that profession of faith. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, weaknesses but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin, praise God, to show us that way. So because of that, he said, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. We come, you come boldly into the throne of grace now. For they couldn't go there, Terry. Now you come boldly to, Lord, I'm coming boldly to the throne of grace, God. Where is it? The kingdom of God is within you, he said. Where the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit living. I come boldly to the throne of grace. Why? So that I can obtain mercy. I found mercy there. I found forgiveness there for my sins. I found life there. I found Jesus there. And find grace to help me in time of need. Praise the Lord. Back to John 14. So now we're able to enter into the Holy of Holies because we walk in Him and because its temple is in us. It's not, it's not a temple made with hands anymore. We are the temple of God. Remember we sing this song, No, you're not. No, you're not. You are the temple where the Father, Son, Holy Spirit dwell. He says in verse 24, I'm just going to finish that up. Uh, 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 Matt said verse 23, He that loves me not, he that doesn't love me, Keep, does not obey my sayings, does not obey my commandments. And the word which you hear is not, is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. And he said, this isn't, just, this isn't just my words, this is the Father's words. So he makes it clear, this is not, this is the God Almighty, this is my Father who's speaking this as well. But he says, 
One way to determine if you're not um, loving God, a good way to determine it, is if you're not obeying Him. If you're not obeying Him, 